Hello there. Everyone's talking about hybrid, but if you've been given the job of implementing it in your organization, is it turning out to be hell on earth? Do you even know where to start? Let's find out more. Welcome to the Changing the World of Work podcast, where we provide insightful, practical content to untangle and demystify workplace change. I'm Karen Plum, Director at Advanced Workplace Associates, where we combine science with nearly 30 years' experience helping organizations change the way they work for the better. Welcome to this episode of the podcast, where we're looking at hybrid working. Is it the latest best solution for organizations, or is it just too difficult to implement? To talk about the challenges for those charged with delivering hybrid working, I invited two colleagues, both senior associates with AWA. They are Celeste Tell and Neda Metab, both based in the USA. I started by asking Celeste, who typically is making the decision to go hybrid? Really, it tends to be senior leadership, C-suite. These decisions are really being made at the top in a business context. Okay, so they're strategic decisions then. Absolutely. And what are they based on, do you think? Ideally, they're based on, you know, what is best for the business and how to align the way they're going to work to their business objectives. That doesn't always happen, but that's in an ideal world, that's how it would be. What I see from things that are written up in the media is that a CEO has made a decision about how the organization is going to work. And the way it comes across is very much as if it's their opinion and their personal experience. But we know from an evidence-based perspective that just making a decision on one person's belief isn't really a defensible way to go. So is that really what you're seeing? Or do you think that there's more evidence behind the decisions that are being taken, Celeste? I think it varies. I think that, like I said, in an ideal world, it's senior leadership aligning how how the organization's working to their business goals. But we are also seeing a lot of decisions being made based on senior leadership's personal experience. Sometimes, as we've talked about in the past, it's a generational disconnect where you have senior leadership that are boomers and Xers who are basing things on their experience, making decisions for millennials and Gen Zers who think and operate differently, and it may not be working as well. Okay, so let's say a CEO decides that we're going to go hybrid. We're going to have everybody in the office for three days a week and two days a week they can work wherever they like. How does their organization know that that's the right solution? That's a great question. I think the 3-2 model is also one of the shades of hybrid or flexible working that organizations are opting for. But when you ask about right, Karen, I don't think what's right for one team is necessarily right for the other team or what's right for one organization is the right thing for the other organization. So what's really become important in that journey is to engage the functional leaders and people managers and understand what is the right thing for their team? What does the three, two or four, one or two and two with fifth day not being in the office? What's the right answer for them? Because in the end, it has to align with what that team lead and the people manager has to deliver as business objectives too. 
Oftentimes we see that uh, these three, two is not just a function of what leadership think that this is the right answer, but also supported by what employees prefer to get some more flexibility. As we all know, in this day and age, the most important thing that the uh, every organization is really fighting for is the right talent. So it's taking into account that what the employees' preferences are and how the team managers are really going to uh, incorporate those preferences while aligning with the high-level framework that they need to put in place. The right answer can be one of the five options that you give to the team managers, but the first and foremost thing is to set up a framework under which those options can be explored so that you can still maintain some consistencies. So as long as that uh, top-down guidance and framework is there, you can really incorporate the right right answer for team-specific or the function-specific right answer. And I see that the organizations are really doing that as well because um, while we are over, we are thinking that it's gonna, it's a global talent pool, some of the businesses need to maintain some local presence or local concentration, and uh, that's why it becomes more important. I think in some organizations, you have a very strong top-down And there are implications and unintended consequences that come out of that. In other organizations, what Ned is talking about is more of a bottom up where the employee base is surveyed and that evidence and that data is called to assess what's going to work best across the organization. Oftentimes, and there may not be a one size fits all across an organization, you know, organizations and particularly large organizations, you know, we talk about culture, but oftentimes there's not a monoculture. There can be microcultures and different needs for how people work hybrid based on, you know, what the different departments and functions are. You know, I would echo what Netta said. There isn't a one size fits all. It really needs to be uniquely tailored to each organization and their needs. Who gets the job of implementing these new ways of working, whether it's hybrid or something else? A senior leader makes the decision about where we're going, but somebody has to figure out how that's going to work in practice. So Celeste, typically who's getting that job in an organization? We're seeing a range of how that's being done. In some instances, HR teams are being tasked with implementing a hybrid solution. And in other instances, corporate real estate is being tasked with implementing a hybrid solution. What we see is that the most successful implementations of hybrid generally involve a cross-disciplinary team that includes HR, real estate, IT, and legal to address the complexities of creating a really effective hybrid solution. I know the two of you talk to uh, corporate real estate and and HR people particularly who are being tasked with this uh, implementation. What are they saying about the, the challenges that they're facing? Neda, can you say a bit about that? Sure. And I'm glad you asked that because I couldn't agree more with Celeste that it has to be a cross-disciplinary team. In the end, CRE or HR and uh, technology or legal, these functions are the enablers of hybrid work models. The challenge that most of these organizations are facing is that oftentimes they're not leader-led and the executive support is missing and business is not driving it within their teams. And that is very, very critical to implement these hybrid model or flexible model or agile working, whatever the shade of this future of work that organizations are looking. 
because nobody is close to the people more than the people managers and the business leaders themselves. There has to be that needle that needs to be threaded through so that from an employee perspective, I know that how holistically it's coming together. Yes, uh, HR is going to enable through policies. Yes, CRE is going to enable through the different neighborhood styles or uh, making the workplace ready. Yes, IT is going to make sure that everything is technology enabled to keep the remote and hybrid and on-site component uh, that equitable experience. But if this is not led and driven by the leadership of the organization, it will not succeed. And that is just the truth. HR is closer through being the driver uh, in that seat because I read it on the billboard the other day that people's strategy is business strategy. So since HR is more uh, called these days at the people function, so they are the closest to the people. They are being asked by the leadership to be in the driving seat of that. However, HR, and I repeat, HR, IT, and uh, real estate and legal, they are the enablers. The drive has to come through the business leadership if we need to do a successful delivery of any hybrid. So essentially, I guess the corporate real estate and the HR folks are able to tactically react and deliver, but they need to do that in the context of the overarching strategy. Absolutely. And this is a strategic decision, as I think Celeste started off I'm saying at the beginning of the podcast that that the decision is a strategic decision, but is it actually being made in that way, Celeste? Or do you think that the senior leaders are are just kind of, well, we've got to choose something, so we'll choose this? No, I don't think it's just we need to choose something, so we'll choose this. I do think that this is how we got to hybrid, is really by talking to people and asking people. And then Leadership needs to say strategically that they support this and that they're going to lead the organization forward in this way. Where we get into conversations with, you know, why HR is so involved, in many cases, going hybrid means shifts in what employment contracts look like, shifts in what compensation and benefits look like. There are legal issues that for when people are working at home and not on on the premises all the time that are going to change that HR is responsible for. And so I do think HR gets involved in many cases as an enabler because they hold the people policies and the policies that have to do with employment. And that is, that's really critical. Corporate real estate holds the policies and the purse strings around physical space and how that works. And so now all of a sudden, if you're going to be working offsite half the time, that's a whole conversation that has to involve corporate real estate. Because presumably the challenge for corporate real estate is to then look at the amount of space that they have and how it's organized and how that now makes sense in this future hybrid world. So is that a a big challenge for the corporate real estate people, Neda? Yeah, I think that what I'm seeing through various clients is that organizations are either going in the direction of tapping into this opportunity and making it more of a transformational change. And real estate is also at the forefront of that because they're changing the overall anatomy of the workplace or how the what's the highest and best use of the real estate. But the challenging part right now is that the return to office hasn't really happened in that that momentum yet. So 
organizations are also just waiting and seeing to see what are the learnings that are going to come out of the return to office and the flexible ways of working so that they can make a robust business case and uh, the proposal that given that data insight, we can confidently, let's say, reduce our uh, footprint by 50% or 30%. So yes, in the moment, if we expect the CRE leaders to just suggest a different strategy for their portfolio, that is not going to happen right now. That's going to come in maybe when we have comfortably um, entered into a post-pandemic time, if that will ever be the case. So um, yeah, the challenge, I think the uh, the biggest challenge right now is that how do you really align the supply with the demand of real estate? So the occupancy and the utilization are becoming more and more important. And as we can see, the technology is enabling a lot of that data gathering and capturing the trends of how the real estate is going to be used because that itself is going to inform the future real estate and portfolio optimization strategies. Utilization and occupancy strategies, the reality is pre-pandemic, you know, before this all happened, that was very simple math. We could all almost do the supply and demand in our heads. What's happened is the calculations, the inputs and the outputs and the calculations for utilization occupancy strategies in a hybrid model change and the math is more complex. And I think that's what you're hearing. When you're hearing from people that they're saying is hybrid hell on earth, is hybrid complex, you know, too hard, too complicated. I think that's what people are in many cases referring to, because in order to really get your utilization and occupancy strategies, you now have to mesh complex HR strategies with complex real estate strategies. And the math, you know, it's like going from simple math to calculus, you know, overnight. And we can do that. And we've figured out some ways to do that, but it's not obvious to many people. For sure. And I think if we look to the people side of things, I know we've talked before about managers and the difficult position that managers are in, in trying to manage people that they don't see anymore. And I think you were telling me from the discussions you'd had at a recent HR conference that the the pandemic has really shone a spotlight on the quality of the people skills um, amongst the manager community. And that's what's keeping them awake at night. Neda, is that a fair summary of what you heard? Absolutely. I think that we, as as Celeste said, that the real estate community was used to supplying the real estate on one-to-one basis. Now it's everything but one-to-one. And it's even within each line of business, if there could be more than one worker type, the remote and the hybrid and the on-site and the on-site without desks, and there's separate ratios tied to it. So real estate is a function of the business strategy. And HR is also a function of the business strategy. So people's strategy is also a function of business strategy. When businesses are themselves learning about how do we actually adjust ourselves for future ways of work, CRE will have to wait and see that how they respond to those changes uh, to the way of work. 
but we doesn't mean that we cannot be partners and be and handhold with the business and try to experiment different scenarios because we will strike one right answer or more than one right answers. Uh, so I think that absolutely that's the HR organization term had the summit in Vegas this year. The common theme is that how do we really upskill the HR community and being okay with the gray and understanding that hybrid has implications throughout the life cycle of the employee. And if the HR as an organization doesn't understand that, then you cannot lead the people's strategy when your organizations. I do think that one of the best things we can do to help teams that are trying to implement a hybrid solution, help them develop scenarios and develop pilot programs. Because I think going back to a question you asked earlier, Karen, jumping to the solution based on someone's opinion and then implementing that, there's a instinct or a knee-jerk response in corporate America to just have the answer and go do it, right? Just do it. But there is a complexity and we don't really know how this is all going to end. We've had to learn to be more agile and more flexible in ways that we never thought we could be. And so looking at all of those factors through scenario planning, through pilot development, I really think is one of the smartest things that we can help our clients do. Clearly, there are lots of challenges and it's not an easy fix to move to a a hybrid model. And I think you've just given us a a great example of something for people in this position to think about. Are there other things that you'd recommend to somebody from HR or from corporate real estate that's been given the task of figuring out how to make this sort of hybrid working work and how they get started? Neda, what would you advise? I think that we should just not jump to the conclusion and the solutions as Celeste said, and we are wired that way. We are human beings. We want to just solve because the more problems that we see around us, the few psychologically unsafe, like we're not in control of the situation. That's what the human being feels. So we try to resolve those problems around us to be able to feel more, uh, to sleep better at night. But this is, this is one of the most historic moments in the industry or in the entire world. Allow yourself to learn from it and allow yourself to fail because the failing doesn't mean that you're losing something. It means you're learning better and you're being better for next time. The real estate organizations are expected historically to just solve the problem that business brings to you in the moment. And the faster you can solve it, the better and more equipped. That's not how things are happening. I think there's a higher level of engagement needed. Uh, with the business leaders, with the people managers, understanding the implications of uh, every scenario on the policies. And let's not forget the employee experience is still at the core of everything because a happy employee makes a profitable organization. But I I think the the engagement has to be elevated. There's no doubt that um, real estate, HR, and IT, their roles have been elevated within the organization. They have the seat at the table. They should have a seat at the table because you're now talking about the overall health of the organization. But my one core message is that allow yourself to experiment and fail. It's it's not just the solutioning today. You are solutioning for the future and flexible solutioning is not that just comes um, instantly. The one thing I would add is to really also understand your own organization and your organizational DNA. Every organization is different. 
And while you can look to what other organizations are doing, that might not be a good fit for your organization. And, you know, each organization is has a different business, has a different business model, has different needs for, you know, for talent, has different ways of working and different leadership styles. So take the time to understand that and look towards solutions that are going to be a good fit for your organization and not necessarily, you know, looking to what other people are doing. Sure. Because if we, if we choose a way of working based on what everybody else is doing, then it's, you know, it's a disaster waiting to happen, isn't it? It's not Mm -hmm. a, a guaranteed solution. Okay. Well, ladies, thank you so much for sharing your insights with me today. It's much appreciated. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Karen. If you'd like to find out more about transitioning to hybrid ways of working, there are details of an event coming up now. And then I'll be speaking to AWI Director Brad Taylor about the challenges facing HR as they grapple with implementing hybrid ways of working. See you shortly. Hello, I am here to tell you about an event we're running on October 12th for the Advanced Workplace Institute. If you are in a position within your organization that you have to support a transition to hybrid working, you wanna do it effectively and be successful, then we would love to have you join us. The way we run these sessions, it will be an informal discussion with the guest speaker. Then we'll have some breakout discussions where you'll be able to talk with peers in other companies and other industries that are wrestling with similar challenges, share best practices with each other, lessons learned, and then come back to the large group and we'll uh, recap and share some of the highlights of those conversations. So if you're in a place now where you've been told, look, we're doing hybrid working and we've got to make it work well, then this event is for you. We'd love to have you join us. It's October 12th, Journey to the New World, Process for Transition. And to find out more information, please look for the link in the show notes. I'm Lisa Whited, and I look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back. With me now is Director of the Advanced Workplace Institute, Brad Taylor. Hello, Brad. Hello, Karen. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yes, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So we've been talking earlier on the episode about the role um, of HR in helping organizations move to new ways of working. This has become quite a task for them, hasn't it, on top of the day job? It has. I mean, this has been something that's been gradually building up for some time. And people in HR, HR directors have had to be playing a pivotal role in helping the organization navigate the pandemic and the organization's response to it, keeping people safe whilst at the same time trying to keep an eye on the horizon and that eventual return to whatever that new normal looks like of blended being in an office environment as well as as well as home working as well. Yes, indeed. Certainly a lot to keep track of. And, and there's so much uncertainty, I think, isn't there? And it seemed to me that, that most organisations were waiting and waiting and waiting and sort of pushing off the date for return to the office or, you know, delaying making a decision. But yesterday, the CIPD, the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development in the UK, 
put out a press release saying that one in five employers had changed their terms and conditions of employment uh, since March 2020, which rather surprised me because it sounded like things were getting a bit more serious. It is. And I think this demonstrates, again, the pressure that the HR function and organisations are under in trying to determine what does the future look like and what needs to be put in place in order to ensure that, that people understand you know, the rules that apply to a particular organisation and that the organisation is doing the right thing. But it's, it's quite surprising in that people are now facing changes to their terms and conditions. And in some cases, that's impacting their level of pay. And for some people, that could feel a little bit rushed or, or a little bit sudden, although they weren't expecting the organisation to approach it in that particular way, which I think speaks to organisations just trying to understand how do we go about doing this effectively? How do we understand you know, what the directors of the organisation want to do in terms of how they want to take the organisation forward? and how we meet that in terms of where our people are deployed and how they interact with the organisation. Do you think it's about organisations wanting more control? I think it is, and I think this has been something that organisations you know, for a long time have wanted to do, and it's becoming harder and harder as the world picks up pace and organisational leaders face this ocean of ambiguity of it's really hard to see what's coming up, what's further on down the line, and, and what sort of things do we need to be doing and putting in place in order to be able to responsibly meet the challenges that face us and ensure that the organization remains successful and sustainable. So I think there's often, you know, they, they talk about the road to hell being paved with good intent. There's a lot of good intent here, but it's just the way that it manifests itself. And how do you bring your people along this journey? Because this is something that pretty much everyone feels passionately about. And everyone has a point of view now that they've experienced a different way of working about how they think this could be successfully done. And that's where really having a proper framework in place to follow, therefore having the ways to engage with business leaders and to carefully plan and, and structure the approach is, is very, very important. We're going to be talking about this at the next AWI event. Could you tell us a little more about what we're going to be saying about that framework? Yes, yes, indeed. We've, we've got a, a great session coming up on uh, 12th of October, which we're calling the Journey to the New World, uh, a process for transition. And with this, we'll have Andrew Mawson from AWA and Lisa Whitehead talking about successful frameworks and processes that can be put in place to think about, engage and move the organisation forward in terms of transitioning to hybrid working. So, yes, it's definitely one to come along to if you're in a particular role, whether it's in HR, FM, IT, and you're trying to grapple with these things and think, well, how do we collaborate effectively to get this done? Not one to be missed. Excellent. Well, I'll certainly be listening in. Thanks very much, Brad. It was great to hear from you. And hopefully you will be becoming a regular on the podcast. I look forward to it. Thanks very much, Karen. And that's it for this episode. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Changing the World of Work podcast. Please follow or like the show so you don't miss any of our content. You can find more information on this episode in our show notes, including a link to the AWA website if you'd like to know more about us. Hope to see you next time. Goodbye.